Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start. I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. At first, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. You just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Movie Talk. What used to be a Tristram Shandy story. In which, apparently, obviously, we don't talk about Tristram Shandy minute by minute. But isn't that the point? Good Lord, what is this story all about? Cock and Bull story. Here's your host, me, Professor Robert E. G. Black. It's just me. I had no guest in time when I needed to record, so I picked a pair that I didn't expect anyone to jump on. Group 8, The War, and The Spitfire Grill. First, The Spitfire Grill. Came out in 96. Was a big deal at Sundance. Not as big a deal when it came out. Critics were split. Audiences didn't see it. It kind of went away. I didn't write anything down for this, of course, because that's not how I do this show. But I did have a few things I wanted to mention, like Roger's review. Not that I call him Roger on this show. Groundhog Day Project, I got to just call him Roger, because I quoted him a lot. He was my go-to reviewer when I wanted to hear someone else's opinion about a movie. Roger Ebert. That's why he's in the beginning of this show. He's got a great take on films. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It's a great way of thinking about it. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. He only gave the Spitfire Girl two stars. He says the Spitfire Girl won the Audience Award at this year's Sundance Film Festival, which says less for the audience than for the movie. It's an unabashedly manipulative, melodramatic tearjerker with plot twists that Horatio Alger would have been embarrassed to use, and the fact that it's so well acted only confuses the issue. <sighs> Not going well. The movie takes place in Gilead, Maine, another one of those small towns like Salome, Texas, and Whistlestop, Alabama, where everybody knows one another and they all gather every day to trade the latest news. Towns like this don't much exist anymore except in sitcoms where the characters are constantly dropping in on one another to prod the plot and explain the latest developments. I feel like sometimes Roger's even more cynical than I am. Yeah, skip ahead. Actually, I would point out something. Reviews and whatnot mention Percy, the main character, Alice Elliot's character, 
being called Perchance Talbot. I don't recall if the movie ever actually says her name is Perchance. I named a character after her in a book, but I named my character Perseverance. Percy was short for that instead. I think uh, promotional materials might have mentioned her name as Perchance. But he has, he mentions the cast, and then he says, Sometimes as a movie critic, you have to knock yourself sharply on the ear to dislodge the last movie you've seen and pay attention to this one. Watching this plot unfold, I was remembering last week's Heavy, which also premiered at Sundance. Its cafe was run by an older woman and had a veteran waitress and a young waitress and had a regular customer whose name was Leo, not Joe, although he was played by Joe Crafasi. Also echoing in the caverns of my memory were several other movies about stalwart women running cafes and striding above the local gossip. The Ballad of the Sad Cafe, Fried Green Tomatoes, Staying Together, and of course Baghdad Cafe. <sighs> in the Spitfire Grill, which weaves several fairly overworn feminist strands into its quilt, everyone of course immediately gossips about where Percy came from and why she would want to settle in Gilead. Ever notice how in the movies people who believe they live in the best place on earth are always resentful and an outsider wants to move there? Well, yeah. It's, that's enough for Roger. What's the movie about? You haven't seen it. Some of you have, but most of you haven't. Percy just got out of prison, where she was for five years. She moves to a small town in Gilead, Maine. Probably chose it off a map because of its name. Because of the biblical poem in Gilead. At one point she even sings the lyrics to... There is a poem in Gilead to make the wounded whole. movie is, I wouldn't say inherently Christian, but it is wholesome, while also dealing in... It's interesting. I didn't know this at the time. It came out in 96, right? I didn't know that Malcolm Roger Quartz, longtime director and CEO of Sacred Heart League, a Catholic nonprofit fundraising and communications organization, actually found this script. They were looking to produce a film. And so the movie they found, Lee David Zlotoff, who made MacGyver, Weird Fit, and his script, Spitfire Girl, got him to direct, and they funded it. All this time, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it's really, it's friendly to Christian values, because, I mean, Gilead, Alan Burstyn's dog named Galatia. There's a local church in town, although it's empty, because the town can't afford to pay a minister. And the movie is all about sacrifice. It's too wholesome for what I normally would go for, in a way. But there's something about it in 96 that just caught, it caught me. This damaged, well, you listen to the show, you know I love damaged characters. This damaged character of Percy comes to this small town, which is utterly the wrong place for her at first, because, as Roger points out, this is the town where everyone pays attention to everybody's business. She's trying to hide. 
I thought in some place small like this, there might just be a chance, you know? You hide in a big city, not a small town. She goes there to hide. And at first it's hard. Because she's not a friendly person. Well, no, it's not that she's not friendly. It's that she's afraid. But when Hannah, Ellen Burster, injures herself, Percy has to take a bigger role at the cafe. And then Shelby, Marsha Gay Harden, has to join in. Much to the chagrin of her husband, Nam, Will Patton, who's worried about Hannah. Worried about this ex-con who's working at her cafe. Meanwhile, there's a rather easy-to-figure-out mystery of the man living in the woods that Hannah takes care of. See, once upon a time, her son avoided the draft to Vietnam. They say his father died because he was disappointed. And then something happened to Eli, the son, and he died. But of course he didn't, you know, it's not much of a spoiler. Percy is put in a position to not know who it is because she hasn't heard about Eli. But in the audience, we can figure it out. You see, this person has avoided regular everyday society for years because he did something that hurt someone once. Meanwhile, Percy did something that hurt herself, hurt her unborn child. And she killed her father. Spoilers. Because he abused her. The movie tackles difficult things, but it presents it all in a way... It, it, the key is Alison Elliot, her character, her portrayal of Percy. is this good person who has a damage that runs deep. She has a line in the film like... You suppose if a wound goes real deep, the healing of it can hurt almost as bad as what caused it? That's what the movie's about. Might be. Hannah's still hurt over her son and her husband. Percy's hurt over her father and her child. And Shelby is currently having a problem with her husband. I won't spoil it exactly, but the movie has a bittersweet, tragic ending. I only recently learned there was a musical made of the movie. I saw it last year, year before. As soon as I heard of it, I went and got a ticket and saw it. Turns out it was made in 2001. Who knew? The thing about the musical, though, is... It gives it a happier ending. See, they run an essay contest to sell the grill, because Hannah's getting old. So, how would one of them essay contest things work, anyway? You mean like the one in center level? Well, I don't know. You're the one that brought it up, ain't you? Well, the way I heard it, First, they uh, set a deadline date, like three or four months from the start. Then they asked people to send $100 or so with an essay saying why they wanted their end. They promised if they got at least 2,500 essays by the time the deadline date rolled around, then they'd pick the essay they liked best and give the end to whoever wrote it. And they got that many? Even more, I think. That'd be more than $250,000, wouldn't it? And this is all legal? Must be if they did it already. It's a bit of a cop-out from the musical, but it's nice. Is that Hannah ends up giving it to Shelby and Percy because of what they originally wrote in their ad about the contest. The nice things they said about the grill and Gilead. I'd say there's enough country around it to lose yourself in. Not so many people you'd ever feel lost. Oh, I don't know. No, no, I like that. Keep going. What else? You could say it's a place with roots so deep nobody could tear them out from under you. Uh, customers so loyal, they'll keep coming back even if your cooking stinks. Because <laughs> what the film needed to be is more wholesome and happy and cheesy. 
the musical's great. There's great songs in there. The particular production I saw it is fantastic set where the floor curved up into the walls and became the forest. Great structure. It's weird to talk about these things by myself. Usually in my little interlude-ish episodes, I explain why the movie's my favorite and I do it in like a minute, maybe two. Don't go on for a dozen or more. Usual episode I aim for 20. And I was like, what do I do if I don't have a guest in time? Pick two movies and talk about them. So I'll talk about them. That's as good a break as any for this shorter episode. I'll have a little bit more to say about Spitfire Grill next time, and then I'll get to the war. Both these movies tied to Vietnam in a way, but in different ways. Both about the aftermath. How soldiers, avoiding or going and returning, affect the lives of the people around them. That's why these were paired together. Not all the pairs made sense. This one made sense. It's also a couple of movies that probably no one saw. I guess since I'm by myself, I'll say, where can you hear more from me? Well. Right now, you could go listen to Annihilation Minute. New episode every Thursday. Very in-depth, written ahead of time, word for word. Show about the science fiction film Annihilation. And pretty soon, we've just started recording. My wife and I will have Five Minute Arrival up. Another science fiction one. But we did recently cover Pump Up the Volume. in a show called Pump Up the Minute. Go check that out. In and done in 25 episodes. We did in four minute segments that one. You can find those on all of the obvious social media or go to lemmingdrops.com for links. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Movie Talk. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook at Cock Bull Minute or check lemmingdrops.com for links. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, Are you telling me you built a time machine? What a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of the coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! Shut up! Shut the fuck up! I right to take... Shut up! Will you shut up! Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! You're still here? Shut up! Now! It's over. Go home. Go.